Girlfriends, episode number 223, Sanctifying Our Homes with Andrea Zachman. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, I'm speaking with author Andrea Zachman about sanctifying our homes. We're all really living in domestic churches now. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Thanks for showing up for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. You know I always love to connect with you here. If you're a first-time listener to the Girlfriends Podcast, I want to give you a great big welcome Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving our Girlfriends community a try. I hope you're going to like what you find here and that we can become a regular source of support and encouragement for you in your faith and family life. If you are a longtime listener or a sometimes listener, welcome back. Thrilled you are here. You know I love connecting with you here through the podcast. How are you guys doing? How's your quarantine going? Some states are starting to open back up and I'm starting to feel a little bit hopeful here in New Hampshire. We're opening back up slowly throughout the month of May. Um, The biggest sign of hope that I personally have experienced is that I managed to get a hair appointment. So no longer will I be brunette. I have been slowly turning brunette, which is my natural hair color against my will. It's been kind of fun though, because I was, I was, you know, interested in maybe possibly doing that, but I didn't want to do that against my will. Anyway, if you've gotten to the hairdresser, let me know how that was for you. I know people are really kind of having fun talking about the different ways, the different things that we have missed, maybe like getting your nails done or going out to eat. What signs of hope, what signs of joy are you seeing and experiencing in your home, in your family, in your state as some of us in some ways, slow ways, small ways, are getting back to quote unquote normal. I hate to use that word because there's absolutely nothing that's going to be normal after this. I think things are going to be permanently changed, hopefully in some good ways. We've talked about some of those here. Well, one of the ways that our lives have all been changed is that we are not attending mass in person. I don't know if it, if mass is available on by and large in any state right now, um, at least at the time that I'm recording this, which is a little bit ahead of time. In New Hampshire, for sure it's not, and we still have the dispensation. Um, We're certainly not required to go to Mass, and it's certainly not available right now. But whatever state you find yourself in, with regard to going to Mass, many of us have been exploring new ways of making our homes domestic churches, which of course our homes always have been domestic churches, but we're thinking even more about sanctifying our homes, ways in which we can worship inside of our homes, ways in which we can pray together as a family and make our living spaces, sacred spaces in real ways that are meaningful for us and for our families. Well, my guest today is Andrea Zachman, who is author of The Sacred That Surrounds Us. I was really excited to talk to her about this particular topic because her whole book, The Sacred That Surrounds Us, looks at churches and what's inside of churches and the the meaning of those sacred objects and spaces inside of our churches. But I was excited to talk with her about how we can apply those same principles, those same ideas to the sacred space inside of our own homes as we are living together and worshiping there and praying there together as families, especially during this time of quarantine. So I'm going to share my conversation with her right now. I hope you enjoy it. 
Hey, everybody. Excited to have a special guest joining me here today on Girlfriends. Andrea Zachman is joining us. She is author of The Sacred That Surrounds Us, published by Ascension. She's been on the show before. You might recognize her name or the name of her book. Andrea is the wife of one man and mother of four kids. She's a home educator, convert to the faith, a faith formation coordinator at her church. And she is just a joy. I recently got the chance to listen to her Facebook Live over at the Ascension Facebook page, talking about this topic we're going to talk about today, making our homes sacred spaces. And I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes if you want to check out more of what Andrea has to share. And I know you will after our conversation. But first, I want to welcome you, Andrea. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Danielle. I am so excited to be on the show again. Thank you, all you listeners who are taking time right now to listen to how uh, we can make sacred spaces at home and how this all works. Exactly. And that's been on a lot of our minds. So let's start there. Let's start, first of all, just share with us a little bit about what this time of quarantine has been like for you and your family, Andrea. Well, for us, I'm the mother of four children um, under the age of nine, and so it's a very busy time in our household every day. So when the quarantine started and we were not able to go to church and not able to go to the sacred space of the nave and be present while Father celebrated Mass, it was a learning curve for us. Like. Mm -hmm. We, the first week that we celebrated Mass at home, it was... um, it was beautiful because we attended mass, but other than that, it was just a disaster. <laughs> we, we had to try and figure out how this works in a completely different space. And each family is going to have their own struggles. You know, with small children, we struggle with having busy children and how do you contain them and do you contain them and what restrictions do you give? Cause this is not church, but it's home. And mm-hmm. so just trying to troubleshoot those issues that we as young parents of young children struggled with, you know, everyone's going to have their own struggles. The, the um, uh, couple that doesn't have children isn't going to have those, um, those things to troubleshoot. The, the man or woman at home that has no one there, they're going to be dealing with completely different struggles. Um, but for us, it was basically how to maintain a sacred environment in a home environment. And so how to bring father in so that everyone can feel connected Mm-hmm. And still feel that connection with each other, even though we can't sit and see each other. Uh, we're still a family. This congregation is still a family. And we miss our family. We miss seeing them and we miss um, being present with them. So that was hard, too, to right. not be with our family. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something a lot of us are are feeling that lack right now. Even of strangers, gathering together with strangers in the church is meaningful in a way that maybe we didn't previously recognize. Like we are a community of faithful and coming together in that sacred space is something that I think a lot of us are missing acutely. We are replacing it, like you said, with mass on TV. But, um, you know, I heard from a listener, we we shared a question from a listener a couple of weeks back who was really struggling with that idea of mass on TV. Like, do we have to do it? What's its worth anyway? I'm not even receiving communion. I'm not physically present. And that can be a real struggle for people at this time. It can. And it was for me as well. You know, I work here at church. And so, you know, it, 
it crossed my mind to just be present when masses is going taking place because I have a key. But in other sense, like I need to be obedient to my priest as well. And I need to be there with my family when mass is going on. Because even though we can't be with our church community, our family, we can still um, unify ourselves to them in our homes and we can still be present to our family. And for me, that's my husband and children, you know, so I really had to make peace with that. I really had to make peace with how can I make this meaningful so that my children understand it's still worth it. And myself too, where I'm not driving myself crazy, uh, stressing myself out, trying to make this a beautiful, perfect experience when it wouldn't be at church. So like why (laughs) am I trying for shooting for perfection in my own home? My kids are still going to cry. They're still going to fuss. They're still going to get distracted. So, you know, really trying to make peace with, you know, we're trying to as best as we can to offer our time to our amazing and loving father and make it holy. Yeah, that's that's the challenge for all of us, I think. Um, but your book, The Sacred That Surrounds Us, looks at the sacred space of our churches. And, um, and so we shared that back in episode number 162 over a year ago. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that show if people want to go back and check out that conversation about the book specifically. But that was looking at church spaces. But you know, I've never been more aware, Andrea, that the fact that my home is supposed to be a domestic church, right? We always say that, but never more so than now are we being called to really sanctify our living spaces. What are some ways that you're doing that or that you might encourage others to? So we can't be in our sacred spaces. The Sacred That Surrounds Us, the book that I wrote over a year ago now, it really delves into the entire environment and everything that you see and experience when you're in church those things you can experience in your own home as well. The beautiful thing about our faith is it's so vast in the sacramentals and in making it come alive in our home. And so even though Father is not physically present in front of us in the sanctuary wearing his chasuble, we could still literally bring the sanctuary into our home while we're watching Mass. And you can do that in a variety of ways. For me and my family, we, after that first week and when I realized something needed to change. It can't be just us in our pajamas, sitting on the couch, trying to wrangle kids, (laughs) trying to let them see that this is set apart and holy, yet we're not really doing anything to make it set apart and holy. Mm -hmm. Um, So what needs to change so that they can visibly see that this is different, that this is uh, an amazing sacramental experience, even though we're not present. So we decided that we were going to, and I enlisted my children. I encourage you have your children play a part in this liturgy um and so we had uh the children move the coffee table in front of the tv and we set the coffee table as if it was our own prayer table we brought the altar into our house we put a white cloth on it and then even though father's not there with the chasuble we took the liturgical color and we accented that on the table and i gotta tell you when i um, tuned into our live feed of our mass here at our church, it was red and I wasn't expecting red and I was red everything. And so I looked at <laughs> and, and we were living with my in-laws at the time. And cause we were in between homes and I looked at him, I said, we don't have anything red. How, 
how can we find something red? And so we, I went into the bathroom and got a towel, a red <laughs> towel. And I laid that across to accent the liturgical color. And, you know, my children, they put candles on it. They put a crucifix on it. They put the Bible on it. And I marked the readings. So even if um, we couldn't read them, we could at least follow along in, in the Bible with them. And then um, we had holy water bottles we might not have the holy water font there, which is amazing, beautiful thing to sign yourself with who you belong to, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but we can do that in our homes. Right. We can sign ourselves before Mass begins like we normally would, recalling our baptism. We can have um, the head of the household, and when we were living with my in-laws, it was my father-in-law. Now we're at home, it's my husband. He blesses us with holy water during communion as if uh, an extraordinary minister would bless someone who isn't receiving um, Jesus in the Eucharist. And so mm -hmm. he blesses us with whole, holy water. And so you can do those things in your own home. You can literally pull the sacred environment into your house. Right. I think those are great ideas. And I, I love that. And I love that you kind of went and got the, the towel. <laughs> like you, you're, working, you're working with what you have. And I think that's really key, right? Because we can sometimes balk at the idea like, oh, I don't have, you know, fresh flowers to make an altar or whatever. Um, but just work with what you have in your space. I became very aware of this um, years ago. Um, we started a tradition on New Year's Eve. We have a, a friend who's a priest and he would come into our home and say mass for us on New Year's Eve. And then we'd have a, a party. So all the people coming to the party would go to this mass in our home, which the first time it happened, it felt so weird to me. Like mass is in my house. Like he's sitting there consecrating the Eucharist and I can like look over his shoulder and see like my kitchen sink and you know, the dish soap and dinner's <laughs> cooking in the oven behind him, you know, like this is so odd. And yet it's really a beautiful thing. And I think many of us are experiencing that right now. Like Jesus is alive in our homes in a way that maybe previously we weren't quite able to recognize what's been your experience with that. Right. And so we all deal with those distractions, right? You know, mm -hmm. when you're at church, there's different distractions that you can get caught up on. Um, in our homes, it's everything from the clutter that's laying around, if you're me. We just moved into our home. So there's literally boxes upon boxes with Sharpie written and crossed out and duct tape. And then, <laughs> you know, from previous people using these boxes. I mean, so if you get caught up in noticing everything, um, it's really hard sometimes. So I think those intentional decisions to make the space holy. The more that you do those intentional choices, the less distractions you're going to have. If you shut off your phones like you normally would while you go to mass, there's going to be less distractions. So I found that help. Mm -hmm. um, I basically, I thought of, um, there's a page in my book where I talk about the um, early church. I think it was 303, if I remember right. And it there's a, a confiscated, confiscation um record of when the soldiers came into a home church and arrested those present who were Christians celebrating mass and made a ledger of everything they confiscated, the chalices, the patents, the candles, the incensors. They knew exactly what was going on when they mm -hmm. walked into that home. And I, I thought about that. And, you know, if someone were to walk into us, into our home right now, would they see that this is set apart for something sacred and holy? Or would they just think that we're watching a half hour sitcom on TV 
you know, comfortable. So we really tried. The more I did that, the more I got them involved, the more I made this into an experience that it should they should still hold sacred, the better it was for us and our distractions that we found came with a family that has young children. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, in a lot of places, the weather's changing. It's getting warmer and we're we're moving into our outdoor spaces. Um, do you have any experience with like creating sacred spaces outdoors, whether it's a merry garden or a prayer path or whatnot? I, you know, I don't really have, uh, at least as far as mass wise, um, mm-hmm. do I just, I set up the outdoor stations of the cross here for our church and our parking lot. So I made yep. big posters and I put prayers on it and the picture. And so People can do things like that so easily in their own home. Um, just print off the Stations of the Cross. They can print off the Mysteries of the Rosary. They can print off um, the, you could even print off the Readings of the Day, you know, and um, involve that. Maybe even the Liturgy of the Hours, things like that. Bring them outside into your spaces. Utilize this nice weather so that the children know that mass is something distinct and holy and we can also bring sacred out into the outdoors if you're like most children and you want to be outside playing right you know? i right. do i do have friends too that um they hold uh mass in their garage in front of their tv with the garage door open because they want to be someone in that outdoor space oh neat you know, that's what they found worked for them so you really have to see what's going to work for your family? You know, Mm -hmm. what is really make it holy and set apart? And if, if you get up and you attend mass, um, whether it be in your home, your garage or outdoors, and you right now, since we're dispensed and we we're not required or even able to go to our churches, if you do that and you unite yourself with other Christians in our community, you unite yourself to Jesus in the Eucharist and the priest who's there celebrating mass. I mean, that's, that's holy, that's beautiful and that's sacred. And it might not be ordinary, but we're not in ordinary circumstances right now. Right. Absolutely. Extraordinary. (laughs) Now, speaking of making it work for your family, you know, as you're, you're describing some of these things, I know what what ages are your kids? So two, four, almost seven and nine. Okay. Right. That's so great. I love that. Um, so your family's on the younger side. Now I know there, there are some listeners with kids who are older with teenagers and I'm picturing myself with some of my teens. I know I would get some eye rolls for some of these things. Um, (laughs) do you have any encouragement for moms in those situations or have you given any thought to, um, you know, working in your parish's faith formation program, some ways to make some of these ideas, you know, especially appealing for, for kids who are a little bit older. Right. So for your older children, whether it's um, as a faith formation coordinator, I handle everything up to fifth grade. So that's my realm. And I currently Mm -hmm. have as old as a third grader. Um, But I would definitely encourage parents to make it as involvement, the involvement as much for your children. They need to know that they can be involved in lighting the candles in Mm -hmm in setting up the space, if they want to read, if they want to sing, if they want to um, do something that is involved with the liturgy, let them do that, whatever is speaks to them. Um, I also encourage families to live liturgically. So if there's a saint of the day that seems interesting, 
like explore that with your children. They need to know and they need to have amazing role models to look up to. And some of these saints stories, like they really speak to these younger teens and even older teens. I know for my Joshua, who's nine, um, Jose Sanchez del Rio is everything to him. And he was a young child martyr in Mexico. And so like, that's a courageous saint. That's interesting. That's exciting that he went through battles and was martyred. So it doesn't have to be um, boring for these, our children. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be the same old, we can make it interesting at home. We can bring the um, scripture stories to life. So let's say the Wedding feast at Cana is one of them. We can take a picture of water and put red Kool-Aid in it and have that water explode into red and try and show the children what they would have been experiencing. We can make things come to life. So if there's 5,000 people present eating the same fish and bread, like let's show them what 5,000 looks like. So Mm -hmm. whether it's before or after, I mean, it's going to work for parents before so when they're reading they can visualize it right after so they can really appreciate what they've heard but make things come to life for your children make things come to life for your teens because they want to live it they want to be present in those moments so let's give them the passion to make you know have it come to life Right. No, I think that's a great idea. And I think having them involved in that way is really Mm -hmm. key. I know for me with some of my older kids, it's really helpful to not just, you know, read the readings or whatnot or or watch mass and the readings, but, and we did this when we were going to church for mass, you know, ask them some questions afterwards, you know, not necessarily like quizzing them, but um, inviting conversation about the topics that the gospel might bring up and that sort of thing. Right. Definitely. Those questions, not just yes or no questions, but discussion, discussion questions, right? open-ended questions so that you can really open up those communication lines because there's a lot of things that our children are struggling with that the uh, readings might really speak to them, but they don't know how to unpack it. Right. No, that's so true. And now, so this is a time of anxiety for a lot of people, for our kids included. And I know for me personally, sometimes I really want something physical to kind of keep me connected to my faith, whether that's a holy card or my miraculous medal that, you know, I often will touch the miraculous medal around my neck if in a moment of prayer or anxiety or worry or whatnot, kind of remembering that connection to Mary. What are, what are some of these um, sacramentals perhaps that uh, people might not be thinking of as so commonplace that maybe we could be making better use of in our homes and in our faith lives as families? Right. So most of us have a a lot of um, sacramentals in our home already. And if you don't, it's so easy to get them. Um, So obviously a crucifix or a cross and um, a lot of them uh, are beautiful. Move it to your altar table, move it to your prayer table for mass so that when father processes in and that crucifix is present, you know, our crucifix can be united with the churches. We can have candles. We can have Father bless them. And that not only at mass time, but throughout the day when your children are experiencing anxiety with their schoolwork, when there's a family member that is asking for prayers, you can stop everything 
light your candle and pray. And especially if it's a candle that has maybe a saint or um, a picture of Mary on it, you know, uniting with that saint. So you could even have candles that are tailored to your children's interests. Mm -hmm. So for me, a candle with a picture of Jose Sanchez del Rio for my son, for whenever he's anxious with something, he can light that and he could pray and have Jose Sanchez del Rio pray for him. So candles and a crucifix, you, you know, are um, having our children wear miraculous medals or a saint medal that they're fond of or a crucifix, something to unite them to, um, you know, someone that's in heaven and that can pray for them. Um, I actually, I have a Mother Teresa to help me to remember to be humble. And I have a miraculous medal um, for my mother, Mary. And uh, I have a souls in purgatory medal and which helps to remind me um, how I need to pray for them. And so everyone's going to be different. There's thousands of different medals to choose from, you know, your holy water, bless your children day and night, let them know um, that it's holy and it's for a purpose. It's not for water fights. It's not for bathing. <laughs> it's not uh, not for any of those, but it's for sacred reasons. Um, we can't have our holy water there, but we can have little bottles in our home. We can have fonts in our home. You know, even a card right now um, becomes something beautiful and holy because there are so many people who are at home alone or they are sick. Um, and so, and we can't be with our church community. So, Writing them a card becomes a beautiful and holy experience in itself to bless that card and whoever touches it. Um, everything from the mailman to the person you're sending it to, um, just setting them apart too, letting them know that you're praying for them and that you are there for them for whatever that they need. Yeah. Those are a few that come to mind. Yeah, those are those are beautiful ideas. I love that. And I think that's a really important way that we can remain connected with other people, as well as relieve some of our own anxiety, because we talked about this before here on the podcast, when we're experiencing that kind of anxiety, there's no greater remedy for it than getting outside of ourselves and seeking to meet somebody else's needs, somebody else who might be suffering. And we don't have to look far to find people who might be lonely, people who might be able to use that friendly gesture or a gift of some kind, something small, a holy card or whatnot to kind of remind them that we are there physically praying for them, even though we're, we're shut away in our homes by and large. Right. Definitely. You know, it's, letting people know that you um, are thinking of them out of everything that we can think of in our day-to-day -day life that you're taking time out of your day to think and pray for them is means so much to people who have no one that surrounds them. They don't have their church community. They don't have the congregation and they are in their homes and they're alone. Right. No, I think that's so important. And this is something that I've been more aware of in these weeks. And maybe you can talk a little bit about some ideas for this. Um, I always done this in our domestic church, just kind of tacking a, a holy card or a prayer onto like the bathroom mirror, for example, like sneaky ways to remind people like, Hey, did you pray your morning offering yet? You know, um, right. those or did you say a prayer to your guardian angel today? You know, just those little kind of reminders or a picture of a saint. I've, I've been known to like, you know, type up a prayer and frame it and stick it on the wall and I'll change them out every once in a while. But, you know, rather than, um, 
it, as opposed to just thinking about one sacred space in our homes, you know, what are some ideas for ways we can kind of sanctify our homes in, in large sense, like with just little bits here and there? Right. So I do the same. So I've had um, prayers in that, like the sticky plastic that's on my mirrors, on windows, in my <laughs> car, on my visor, um, just little things to remind myself that I'm just, I need to stop and pray. Um, I also have a uh, big, um, I have pictures on my wall, right? Any saints or holy picture, but I have specifically our sanctuary Mm -hmm. um, on a 16 by 20 canvas. And I have a picture of father holding up Jesus in the Eucharistic procession. Um, those are two holy pictures that I really try to make present within, um, our main living space so that every time me or my children look at it, we're immediately brought, um, in whatever we're doing to, um, Jesus in the Eucharist. And so if, even if, you know, if we're fighting, if we're stressed, if we're laughing, we can unite and reorientate ourselves because, you know, as we're going day to day, I just was talking about this with my son, Joshua, who I'm telling you is learning things that blow my mind. He's doing things that blow my mind that I'm not teaching him. And I am, it's really the Holy spirit nudging at him and wanting him to grow because he's just absolutely phenomenal, but he will, um, he was talking with me the other morning and I was, I was letting him know that the things that he does every day, if he doesn't do them with love, um, you know, what is he doing them for? And if he's not leaning, going towards Jesus in his choices and in his words, where is he going? And so we really had a deep conversation about making intentional choices throughout our entire day and bringing them to Jesus when we can't be here at church with Jesus, how do we unite ourselves to him? And that's literally every moment of our day. If you're biking and you're laughing with your brother and you're having fun and loving him, like that's bringing it to Jesus. If you are outside and you're reading the garden and we're planning on, you know, canning and donating some of the goods, like that's giving it to Jesus. You can do that every day, every moment of your day. And that's what praying unceasingly looks like. Right. So, oh, that's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, I love that. And that's calling to mind the words of the morning offering, right? Our, our prayers, works, joys, and challenges. So um, he, he wants it all, right? <laughs> even in even our messy quarantine sometimes. Um, yeah, so one more question before we have to go. I want to talk a little bit about this concept of spiritual communion because we've all become more aware of the beauty of that prayer and the, that um, maybe other people you know, weren't aware of it or hadn't previously practiced it. But what are some ways that we can teach our kids and ourselves, frankly, about the, the meaning and the value of that prayer, but also still making that distinction about what the Eucharist is. Right. So there's uh, many different things that you can do to really lift up communion when you can't receive um, Holy mm -hmm. Communion. Um, we send our guardian angel to church. We, um, our children, we all say a prayer before mass and we say, you know, we, we cannot be there present, but we are sending you to go adore Jesus and come back to us with that adoration. Um, and so we, we do that. And at Holy Communion time, we say this spiritual communion prayer, you know, that even though we can't be there, we, we receive him spiritually into our heart. And we kneel. And if you're uh, my son, Joshua, you're face down um, on the floor and you're there until father has sat down. It's absolutely beautiful. He 
teaches us, mm-hmm. you know, and there's so many times that if we just look with open eyes and love, we will see that our children are teaching us. And so, um, and also to say the, the spiritual communion prayer, but also to fast beforehand, to keep that fast. That way our children um, aren't going to be, it's not going to be such a struggle when we go back to church. There's al- already going to be struggles with children when you come back to church. They're going to have to reorientate themselves to the mass, to sitting Um, to being in the pew, to being around people, to being distracted in a completely different space. And it's almost going to be like coming to mass for the first time again. And so to make it um, as typical as as possible, as sacred as possible, is really going to be a service to them when we come back into Mm -hmm. our sacred spaces. And we're celebrating mass with father in front of us in the sanctuary, in his chasuble, and we can see him and then we can smell the incense and we can feel the warmth from the candles and it, all of it. And we're back in that beautiful and sacred moment. So, Oh, that's a a very hopeful image. (laughs) I think we'll, we'll end our conversation on that image because I'm going to be carrying that one through the rest of my day. Cause I have frequently during this time of quarantine paused and thought, what will that first mass be like when we can finally go back and pretty sure I'm going to cry through the whole thing, but (laughs) (laughs) that's a good thing. (laughs) A range of emotions when we come back. A lot of us are going to be experiencing Holy Communion almost for the first time again, you know, and think back Mm -hmm. to your first Holy Communion. Think think back if you went through RCIA or if you're a cradle Catholic. But when we come back, we're going to be completely different people from when we first received. And think of how the different you are now and the things that you know and you and appreciate and then receiving First Holy Communion again. How much of a different experience that's going to be for us all. And there's going to be so many people that are weeping, and I'm going to be right there with you, Danielle. (laughs) We'll wear our big sunglasses that Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a a very hopeful thought. Uh, My guest today has been Andrea Zachman, who is author of The Sacred That Surrounds Us. We'll have her book linked up in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Thank you, Andrea, for being a part of Girlfriends today. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you, listening audience. I hope you guys have a blessed day. Coming up, we have a listener question, but first a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you are listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it. But what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andrea Zachman, author of The Sacred That Surrounds Us. I'll have all the links that I mentioned to the previous show she was on, to her Facebook Live, and um, a place where you can order her book. I'll have all of those available in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. If you are in the middle of something and you cannot stop and go over to ascensionpress.com and get all that information right now, fear not. 
Just when you get a moment, text the word girlfriends to 33777. And that way you can get automatically subscribed to our email list. And every every version of the show notes for the Girlfriends podcast, every episode will get sent directly to your inbox every single week. So you won't miss a single show. You won't miss a single link or any of the great resources that we like to share here at Girlfriends. Again, text the word girlfriends to 33777. That applies for US residents only. If you're outside the US, you can still join in on the list. You can still have fun with us. Just send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Now I have a little bit of feedback to share with a listener who wrote in about our recent show a couple of weeks back, our podcast on contentment, cultivating contentment. Kathy wrote in, hi, Danielle, I love your books and recently started listening to the podcast. Took me a while to figure out how to subscribe and listen to podcasts. I know this is Danielle. Um, There's a learning curve there. And I know some people do struggle with that. So glad you figured that out, Kathy. Uh, Kathy goes on. I'm in a Catholic women's brunch group slash book club, and we've read two of your books together. I've also read a couple on my own and giving thanks and letting go is one of my favorites. I have three mostly grown children and my oldest two daughters are married and live in other parts of the state. And our state is Texas. So that means seven hours away for one of them. Our youngest son lives at home and is a firefighter. So he's gone a lot. Anyway, I really enjoyed your podcast on contentment the other day. And I wanted to share something that I do most nights before bed. I do a version of the examine along with night prayer from the liturgy of the hours. And then I write down four things, something I'm grateful for, something I'm thankful for, and something that has blessed me along with something I can do better tomorrow. I know the first three sound familiar, but I like the grateful, thankful, blessed method of cultivating gratitude. Thanks again for your ministry, Kathy from Texas. Okay. Thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate that. Thank you for the shout out about my books. Thank you to your group for doing a group study um, with a couple of my books. And um, yeah, thank you for that idea about cultivating contentment. I love that idea of making it a regular part of your night prayer routine and having the grateful, thankful, blessed, and then one thing that you're going to work on that you could do better on the following day, a beautiful way to end your day in God's presence and end your day really cultivating contentment and gratitude in your life. So I appreciate that thought, Kathy, and thank you for writing in. Okay, next I heard from listener Kimberly who emailed in saying, Dear Danielle, I really appreciated your recent show about working from home, especially the part about sending boundaries with other family members so you can actually get your work done. I am terrible at doing that. How can I get better at setting reasonable boundaries like not disturbing me when I'm on the phone or when I'm working on an important project without feeling like I'm just being mean? I would be so grateful for any encouragement or advice you can offer yours, Kimberly. Okay. Thank you, Kimberly, for that. I always like to hear from a fellow working from home Catholic mom, and I appreciate your struggle for sure. It's hard to set those boundaries. And like we shared about back in that show, we women are sometimes terrible at this. We just want to take care of everybody. We want to make everybody happy and we put our own needs last, but sometimes doing our work is actually serving the other people in our homes and families. It's important to keep that in mind. If you are working and your family is 
needing that paycheck, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for your family. So first of all, get your own head on straight, right? I mean, we need to have these sit downs with ourselves sometimes and say, you know what? This is not some selfish thing I'm pursuing. And even if it were legitimately, you could be taking time for yourself for something that you would just plain enjoy. But this is even that, right? This is your work. And this is something that you need to be doing. You have an obligation to your employer or to your client. And so you need to be able to spend that time on that. You owe them that. Um, so thinking that way first, but then just practically speaking, um, if there's some way that you can enlist your husband's help with regard to setting those boundaries, I know this is hugely helpful to me with um, setting boundaries. We did a whole show about setting boundaries where I said how much I rely on Dan to help me set boundaries, where sometimes I struggle to do it. For him, it's just a no-brainer. Like, no, of course that person can't do that, right? Whether it's your own child or a coworker asking for something or a friend that's overstepping their, their boundaries. Um, you know, I think husbands can really play a great role there. Even if it's just encouraging you, like if you talk to him and say, you know what, I really need to get this project done. I need to be working behind a closed door for an hour and a half at this time. Um, you know, can can you help me understand that that's a reasonable thing for me to do? You know, even if you just need to ask for that. Um, but then, you know, even just being hands-on support, husbands can be hugely helpful for that. Now that might mean you need to work around his schedule so he could be available, maybe a weekend, maybe an evening. Um, or right now, I don't know what stage of quarantine you are at right now, Kimberly, but eventually it might be that you could hire a mother's helper or have one of your own older children. I don't know how old your kids are, um, help out in a way that's going to free you up and, um, free you up from the constant saying, no, say there's a toddler that's banging on your door, right? They only listen to so much reason. So if that's the case, then enlisting some help from somebody else, whether it's your husband or someone else in your household, or eventually when we get there, somebody from the outside that would be able to help with that, that can be enormously helpful. Um, the other thing, and this helps with regard to your own attitude toward the time that you have to focus on your work and your kids' attitudes toward the time that you have to focus on your work, set up a happy time afterwards. I know sometimes I'll do this if I have a large project, something I'm working on. Um, I've done it with book projects over the years, like a, a Saturday afternoon and say, I'll say to the family, you know what? I need these three hours and I'm going to be focused on this project for these three hours. After that, here's what we're going to do. And then, you know, pick the fun thing, whether it's making a fun dinner, watching a movie, going to play mini golf, if and when that's ever allowed, um, you know, whatever it is, maybe you're going to read them their favorite books you know, set up a reward for afterwards, but um, you, you don't necessarily need to make it contingent upon them respecting your space, but it certainly will help for you to be able to say to them, no, you know what, we're going to have our fun time together after this and I need to get this done or we won't have time for that. You know, then it's just a very matter of fact thing that you can be reminding even a very young child of. So set up a happy time afterwards, schedule something happy, especially if it's um, something is, it's uh, that you especially need to be away for, for a length of time. But even you can set up a happy time as part of your regular routine, right? If you're focused on work projects throughout the afternoon, for the most part, then at the end of that, you can have part of your family routine, you know, when you're getting together and and having dinner together. It's a relaxed, fun family time. Kids really respond to routines like that and expectations. They set up their expectations accordingly. And we really like it. It's nice to have that kind of rhythm in our days. So look for ways that you can do that. Um, whatever is reasonable in your home with your family's particular routine. And then lastly, Kimberly, I just want to encourage you, I don't know how long you've been working from home or if it's just a quarantine thing or what, but it does get better with practice. It does become easier for everybody the more it becomes your norm, your routine, 
your kids will accept it. You will understand it better. You'll feel less guilty about it. It's just going to be part of how you interact throughout your days. If you owe that time to your employer, you're going to have to give that time to them and um, your family's going to adapt to it accordingly. So it does get easier. I just want to leave you with that one last word of encouragement. It does get easier over time. I understand the battle. I understand about feeling mean when you're telling your kids you don't have time for them right now, but focus on the ways in which the work you are doing is actually serving your family. It's really important that you think about it properly like that. And that helps everything else to kind of fall into perspective. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being a part of today's show. You are an important part of the Girlfriends community. If you would like to join our Facebook group, which is exclusive to listeners of the Girlfriends podcast, it's a private Facebook group. You can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Girlfriends podcast. That's a lot to remember. So you can go to the show notes at ascensionpress.com or subscribe to the show notes by texting the word girlfriends to 33777. You do have to request to join, so it might take just a little bit before you get um, added in there, but we'd love to have you join our Facebook community because it's growing and there are lots of wonderful women there. One of the wonderful things that I've learned through sharing here on the podcast is that you all, you people listening to this podcast, are pretty awesome people. And one of the greatest gifts I can give to all of you is access to each other. So the Facebook group is one of the ways that I'm able to do that. If you would like to be a part of it, you got to make a request. So go to facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriends podcast. We'd love to have you join our community there. But in the meantime, I'm just grateful that you're part of this listening community. Thank you so much for showing up for this episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. If you have feedback for me, I would love to hear from you. You can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on Voxer or social media. I am Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. No excuses. You know where to find me. Thanks so much for being a part of today's show. And in the meantime, until next week, I hope you will enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 